I define social selling like this. It's leveraging your professional brand to fill your pipeline with the right people, insights, and relationships. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, so in this episode, you'll be hearing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from past conferences. Here we go. Thank you all for uh, attending the session today. As Sunny had said, so my name is Coca Sexton. I'm going to go through a little bit about my history to at least explain to you how I got to where I'm at today and the steps and things that you could be aware of that are going to help you as a professional, as well as in your business, actually increase your pipeline. So I want to give you a quick idea of my timeline. And I'm going to date myself in this because I'm old. So back in 1999, I got my first sales job. And I fell into this sales job. It was not something I didn't see myself as a salesperson initially. But I took a sales job because I needed a job and it just happened to be there. And the whole idea of getting paid to do my job and I get a commission check every month became this amazing idea in my head. If I did my job well, I got paid more. So the sales bug bit into me and I rode that wave as long as I could. The problem was, is that when I was in sales, marketing did nothing for me. In fact, I had a very love-hate relationship with the marketers on my team. Great people. We'd have dinners. You know, they became friends. Some of them were lifelong friends. But what they did was they basically bought lists and did other things. They threw them over the fence and said, here, Coca, call all of these people. And I was like, F you, this isn't going to work. So I had to find ways to do marketing as a salesperson to fill my own pipeline. And so what I had done was I started getting into social networks. And I'm very nerdy by nature. And so I first signed up for LinkedIn. And I started connecting with people I worked with. I started connecting with people I met at events. And when I was traveling around and doing you know, like networking events, I would connect with people. And that allowed me to find buyers and the information on, about them online. Because as an inside salesperson, I didn't have the ability to go into an office. I couldn't see the photos on their desks, the awards on their walls, the things that would make a conversation with these buyers more personal. So I had to rely on other methods, and social media was that equalizer. Then, in 2007, I signed up for Twitter, and that's when the entire game changed. It unlocked this entire new world inside of me as a salesperson on how to leverage social media to do my job. I could see the professional context, all the work history and school and title of an individual, But when I would look at their Twitter profiles, I would see all the other things they were doing, vacations, things that music they were listening to, photos of what they ate for lunch. And outside of the pictures of their lunch, it allowed me to have conversations with these buyers that was able to be a lot more relevant to the things that mattered to them outside of what they did within their jobs. Once I figured that out, once I found a way to leverage social media to fill my own pipeline, I forgot all about marketing. They would send me lists. They would send me names and contact information, say Coca-Cola, these people, and I never called them. We were measured on talk time, number of dials on top of our pipeline. I was always at the bottom 5% of number of dials. I hated making cold calls. My talk time wasn't where they thought it should be because I wasn't talking to 100 people in a day. So it was this constant battle with my sales managers trying to figure out Why aren't you doing what you're being measured on, but somehow you're still making your number? I was like, well, because I'm using this thing called LinkedIn. And they're like, oh, that's a big fad. Don't worry about that. It's going to go away. Just call through the list that we give you. And 
now we know that that's just not true. And so over the years, as I perfected this, this path of leveraging social media, I did what I never thought would happen. I moved to the dark side, and I became a marketer. I was in between roles. I came across a company called Inside View, which some of you are probably familiar with, and I applied for a sales job, and they basically said, thanks, but no thanks. I didn't have the pedigree they were looking for. I wasn't in SaaS sales. I didn't work at Salesforce, any of these other things that they were looking for as a salesperson. But they called me up about two or three weeks later, and they said, we want to bring you in for an interview. And it was because of this footprint that I had put online. And they said, if anybody knows how to leverage social data in a sales context, you seem to be the guy. But it's going to be a marketing role. And it was a struggle for me. Do I want to become a marketer? Didn't really think I did. But I took the risk, and I put myself in those shoes, and I became a marketer. That was probably the best decision of my career. From that moment, I focused on social media in the context of sales and how to drive revenue and pipeline leveraging social networks. We created Social Selling University. That had a groundswell, became a massive lead generator for the company. And then LinkedIn came along. And LinkedIn was building this product called Sales Navigator. It was basically a wireframe. And they basically came to me and said, hey, we want to, we're building this. We want you to come in. And the decision I had was, do I want to go work for a really big company? I'm more of a startup guy. But I felt like this was the right move. And that's when I think that social selling went global because LinkedIn had such a large, I mean, you all know LinkedIn, it has a massive reach. The SSI score was generated. We, found, we had found a way to identify the right behaviors of a sales professional. Then the, the product was built. It was history. I ended up being the head of social media for all of LinkedIn. I was driving strategy for the company outside of even the business units. And that leads me to today where I now have the privilege of being able to work with any number of companies, helping them identify how does marketing track to revenue. I define social selling like this. It's leveraging your professional brand to fill your pipeline with the right people, insights, and relationships. And these words are called out specifically and in this order for a very specific reason. It starts with the individual. Your professional brand, how you are seen in the marketplace matters more if you are trying to sell something and nobody trusts you, you haven't built that social equity, the social capital with your buyer, nobody's going to care. So it starts with you. It starts with, the, with who you are and how you present yourself. And ultimately, you want to fill your pipeline. And you want to find the right people. You want to find the buyers within these organizations that are actually going to influence the deal. Building connections, gaining new followers, having all these fans, that's great. But if you're not making money off of it, you have to find a way to convert these people into revenue. And as I was preparing for this presentation, I started figuring out, okay, well, what, is, what are the definitions of ABM that are out there? And how does that fit into social selling? And then I found this from Sangram. It's a combination and range of activities from advertising, direct mail, calls, emails, with an ideal set of accounts, and it's quality over quantity. This definition of what ABM is spoke to me. Because when you align that with the idea of what social selling is, it comes into play very clear. In my eyes, social fits in because in many ways, marketers are finally figuring out what salespeople have known all along. Marketers are realizing that it's an account focus. Every salesperson I know focuses on accounts. They have a list of accounts they're trying to get into, their list of accounts they're trying to grow into because that's how they generate their own revenue as salespeople. Marketers are now getting up into that steam and having the technology, the resources. And when that alignment happens, you see a massive impact. So whereas marketers are often doing their ABM approach, they're doing their marketing activities. It's very 
even though it's, it's consolidated on a certain number of accounts, it's still kind of a broad reach. Salespeople are very one-to-one. Sales professionals will talk to the people. They'll go into the offices. They will speak to the individual buyers and try and convert them. Social selling is that layer in between. If marketing is leveraging social to, to drive the, the leads in, Facebook advertising, sponsored updates, whatever that may be, if salespeople are aligned into that leveraging social, the process is seamless. Because if salespeople are leveraging social media in the right way, if they're connecting with the buyers, if they're engaging them, if they're sharing the right updates, it's going to make a difference. And if marketing has already primed the buyer's mind to look for this information on social, and salespeople are now doing that also, the conversation is seamless. The way that I see social selling within a methodology is this. You have to identify, you connect with the buyers, and then you find ways to engage. And above all, you need to find ways to add value. If you're not adding value, nobody's going to want to buy from you. They're going to look for the people who are actually adding value. So there's, I'm going to repeat this time and time again throughout this presentation. You have to find ways to constantly add value in excess of whatever the dollar amount is that you're asking for. You have to provide value in excess of whatever it is that you're going to ask from the buyer. If you want a meeting with them, you would better be able to provide enough value up front that they want to actually have that meeting with you. Just calling them and saying, hey, I want to schedule 15 minutes on the phone with you, people are going to laugh at you and say, I don't have time for this. Social selling is not a replacement for phones and email. You're still going to need to call people. You're still going to be emailing them as salespeople. But where social selling fits into it is another communications channel. And marketers have known this for a long time. Salespeople are just now catching up to all of this. That, sale, that social media, social selling, is an aspect of the sales process that they need to integrate into the normal cadence of conversations that they have. About a year and a half, maybe two years ago, there was a, a research study with the IDC. And the question, the hypothesis of this study was, how do social buyers get influenced to make purchase decisions? My thought was that most buyers go online and look for the deal. They're looking for the discount the best opportunity out there, biggest bang for their buck. What we found through the research was that that hypothesis was totally wrong. Buyers who are leveraging social media spend an extremely amount, much more money than the, the people who are not leveraging social media. They're not looking for the discount. I was thinking of it from a consumer point of view, but in a B2B context, companies are willing to spend more money on a vendor if it's the right decision, if it's the right product. Because at the end of the day, it's not coming out of my wallet, it's coming out of the company's wallet, and the company will spend the money to buy the product that's going to solve their problem. What was also discovered was that social buyers make 61% more purchases than the ones who do not leverage social. So these buyers are spending more money, and they're spending it more often. And if those two things are true, as a sales and marketing organization, you need to be on social. Salespeople need to learn to leverage social media to engage with these buyers because, one, that's where they're spending their time, and the revenue impact is much higher. A social selling leader is anyone that LinkedIn had identified as having an SSI, a social selling index score of 70 and above. And if you don't know what the social selling index score is, you should write that down. You should bring it back to your company, and you should make all of your salespeople know what that score is. It is probably the best benchmark for a salesperson to see how well they're leveraging LinkedIn as a platform, because LinkedIn is probably the best platform for salespeople to find and engage with buyers that exists. So your social selling index score is mapped across, I think it's 32, it may be more than that now, data points on how you behave on that platform. So that's what a social selling index score is. And a leader is somebody that says 70 or above. 
Social selling leaders generate more opportunities. And at the end of the day, that's the lifeblood of your company. What's the pipeline? What's the revenue that's coming through? Because that's what's going to grow your business. Social selling leaders are 51% more likely to exceed quota. And I'm not saying meet it, exceed the quota. So leveraging social media, your buyers are already spending time there. They're spending more money. They're spending it more often. You're going to generate more opportunities. And you have a higher chance of exceeding quota if your salespeople are taught how to leverage social media the right way. How many people in the room are, actually have like a social media policy that you talk to about with your sales team? How many of your companies, and you can take a guess here, of your sales teams are actually using social media? As a marketer, I felt like when I made that switch, moved to the dark side, I felt it was my responsibility to train my sales team how to leverage these tools the right way. Every time as a marketer, I learned a new tip or trick about how to leverage a platform, I would immediately share that with my, with my sales team. They may not be able to implement it to the same capacity that I did it within marketing, but it at least gave them the understanding of how these tools get used. And salespeople are very inventive. They will find ways to leverage the technologies that you give them access to. The next part of that methodology is visibility creates opportunity. And you should write all this down because this is a core tenant to what I believe. Visibility creates opportunity. As marketers, we already know this. You may have the cure to the world's deadliest disease, but if nobody knows about it, it's not going to save anyone. Most startups fail because they can't break out of obscurity. They can't break that tipping point of they have a product, it actually fills a need. They just can't find a way to get into the market. Visibility creates opportunity. For a salesperson, this rings true also, and this is paramount to how I believe social media and social selling fits into the ecosystem. Salespeople need to be visible. As marketers, you should be training your sales team to be more visible online. People buy from people. They don't technically buy from logos. So though marketing is doing a great job of getting the word out and you're targeting, you're doing the right stuff and getting in front of the right people, at the end of the day, the salesperson needs to know, how do I engage with this person? How are they being perceived online? How is that professional brand that they're building helping drive that business forward? The visibility is what creates that opportunity. The common obstacles that I find, and this is across any professional, not just sales, not just marketing, anywhere, in this idea of visibility creating opportunity is this. Profiles are horrible. Photos, either non-existent, or it's a picture of you at a party because you're dressed nice and you have your significant other next to you, but you've cropped them out of it. So you kind of see part of their shoulder, but not really, but it's a really great picture of you, so you want to put that up there, right? It's not completed. You don't have your work history. You don't have a headline. There's, there's components within your social profiles, either if it's LinkedIn, Twitter, or whatever it may be, that aren't completed. So it's not easy to find you. The next is your privacy settings. Most people, when they created their LinkedIn profile, already had a Facebook profile in existence. Raise your hands. Is that true? It's true for me. So when I created my initial LinkedIn profile, I had the mindset of Facebook. I don't want anybody to see all this stuff. This is scary. Like, I got to lock my stuff down. The reality is that they're two separate platforms. What you put on Facebook shouldn't be the exact same thing you're putting on LinkedIn. Your LinkedIn profile should be open for the world. You should be sharing content through LinkedIn so that anybody who's looking for this can find it because that visibility is going to create the opportunities. Your privacy settings are very important. And when I talk to companies... Anyone, anywhere from you know, 20 salespeople to 150 salespeople, there's always one or more people in that room that go through their LinkedIn pro, their, their settings, and they say, oh my gosh, I've had this thing locked down for umpteen years, 
and nobody's ever seen anything I've ever shared, no wonder nobody likes any of my stuff. You have to pay attention to your privacy settings. And then just a lack of activity. How many people in the room have shared an update on LinkedIn in the past week? Oh, I'm impressed. I got a little happy inside. How many have done it in the last 48 hours? How many have done it today? The visibility creating opportunity, you have to be posting on a consistent basis. All of you marketers understand the feed and that things run through the feed very quick. It's a fast-paced object. You hit refresh, things are, you've got 50 new things in your feed that weren't there two seconds ago. As marketers, we understand this, that we have to find ways to keep getting in front of the buyer. But we have money, so we can sponsor the update, so we can force it into the person's feed. Salespeople don't have that budget. So salespeople need to be trained on how do you organically update your LinkedIn, your Twitters, whatever it may be, on a consistent basis. They should be taught how to use tools like Buffer. They should be taught how to use all these other technologies that allow them to have visibility while they're still doing their job. Buyers are five times more likely to engage with sales professionals with a warm introduction. We all know that relationships matter, but most salespeople are not leveraging their, their networks or their, the networks they have around them in a way that's actually going to help build that pipeline. They're still reaching out cold. They're still doing things that get deleted, you know, from voicemails to emails. If you're not leveraging these, the connections that you already have in place, the chances of actually getting that contact is very small. So the way that I see it is like this. You identify the people within the organization. You have your accounts. Who are the buyers in that account that you want to be connected with as a salesperson? What are the common connections you have? If you go into, well, say, Microsoft, you can go, the, the salesperson can go into a Microsoft account on LinkedIn, look at their account and say, how, how am I connected into this organization? They can find the common connections and then start asking for the introductions. It's a very simple process. Every salesperson knows this, but none of them are actually doing this. And as marketers, if you're putting time, energy, and resources into this ABM approach of targeting these companies, you have to train and hold your salespeople accountable to do this stuff also. And you do this by leveraging your network. So this is an example. Using LinkedIn, this is a screenshot of Sales Navigator. You find the account, you drill into it, and find out how many people you actually know within this account. How many people can you have access into? Are they the right decision makers? How do you find and get into those? One, you could filter this information back into marketing and say, hey, here are the names, here are the people that we want to target outside of the titles and other stuff that you're doing for targeting. Like here are the individuals, if we can find ways to target these people, that's actually going to make a difference. Find ways for salespeople to leverage their networks. Twitter is an amazing search engine. Marketers, we understand Twitter. We think we do. We use it. We have sponsored content. We push the stuff out there. But your salespeople need to be taught how to use Twitter like a search engine. And so this is an example. You go in, you use Boolean search, and salespeople should understand, you should be teaching them this stuff, how to go into this as a search engine and say, I'm looking for people at Terminus and have a title of VP, sales, CEO, CMO, and it pulls up this list for you. Your salespeople should say, okay, here's, I'm going to build a list around this. I'm going to follow these individuals. These are things as marketers we have learned over the years, but salespeople haven't figured it out yet. I put the ownership on you to teach them how to do these things. Automate the outreach. There's always going to be a debate about how much should be automated versus how much should be organic, and, and we can talk about this offline. But I believe that to be effective, and marketers, we understand this, some of it needs to be automated, even for salespeople. So Sucedo is an application. I think they're based up Pacific Northwest. And they do follows, unfollows, and they send direct messages to people. We've all gotten 
horrible DMs from people, am I right? Some of them actually use this platform to send out really bad direct messages. But when it's done correctly, when it's done strategically, it can make a difference. So for example, you know, I get stuck in somebody's ABM mix. Somebody sends me a message, a DM on Twitter, and they write out this quick little thing like, hey, thanks for following, thanks for connecting, whatever it may be. You know, this is what, kind of what I'm up to. Love to stay in touch. And they, and they, they close it out. But there's a, a blatant typo in the very end of it. And then the next DM comes in two minutes later, like, oh my gosh, I, I, it was autocorrect. So in some ways, it seems like it was very authentic and very or- organic, even though, because I know the tricks, that it was automated. You need to find ways to help your salespeople figure this stuff out. Content is the fuel for social selling. Companies need to start thinking like a publisher. How are you producing content? The last research that I read, and I don't think I have a slide on this, so I'm going to say it, is it takes about six pieces of content for a buyer to actually raise their hand and want to talk to a salesperson. If that is true, how much content of that that they consumed came from your business? If it was only one piece and the other four or five came from a competitor, who do you think that buyer is going to go to when they say, I want to talk about and go through a demo and all that other stuff? and go through that sales cycle. You have to be thinking like a publisher. You have to be putting enough content for those individual buyers for them to become successful. 95% of B2B decision makers expect new or different insights from sales professionals. I used to say, and I still do in many ways, you should be driving as much traffic to your LinkedIn profile as possible because you can see the people who are touching your profile. But technology is now advancing. And there's tools like Follows. Are anybody here familiar with this application? No? It's new for everyone. This is amazing. Follows is basically landing pages that, as a marketer, you can say if they are content marketers, if they are VPs, if they, whatever the, the, the demographics that you've put together, they create the pages for you. So that it's dynamic when somebody hits it, what information is shared with them. It's set up in a way that you can track it. There's calls to action within it. You can see the, the usage and the consumption of the content within these pages. But when you're looking at ABM and trying to find ways to funnel the traffic back to your sales teams... An application like this starts allowing you to put the numbers behind it to to actually measure the impact. That's interesting. Employee advocacy platforms. I don't know why the formatting did. Employee advocacy platforms is something else as marketers you need to find ways to incorporate into your company. If it's LinkedIn Elevate, Gaglamp, Hootsuite, Everyone Social, Social Course, whatever it is, you should be finding ways to make it as extremely easy as possible for your salespeople to push out corporate information. If you're relying on them to go to your blog every day, if that's how often you publish, and actually share the blog content, you're wrong. Because salespeople, they don't think that way. They may hear about it, they may see it in their feed and then reshare it, but they're not going to do it systematically. You have to help them by giving them the platforms that make it turnkey. Bam, here it is. Share, share, share. And it's extremely self-intuitive. So all the work that you're doing around marketing should also somehow find ways to trickle back into the sales force. So in my eyes, this is how a salesperson leverages social networks. You find ways to surround the companies. There's the people who are doing the research on the products. There are the user groups, the people that are actually going to be using the platform, whatever it is that you're selling. And then there's the decision maker or decision makers, people who actually sign off. It scales. Because scalability is probably the most important thing you need to be thinking through. If I've got Microsoft, Cisco, you know, what you name the companies and you follow the same process and methodology around connecting with these people, following them across LinkedIn and Twitter, and finding ways to find everybody within that and creating buckets for these individuals that the salespeople can engage with, 
it becomes very easy for them to segment and, and connect and, and engage in all the other activities as a salesperson that's going to move that sales cycle faster. Then there's this idea, if you follow all of this, of what a microfunnel is. And the way I think of microfunnels is this. In a traditional funnel, or even if it's, you know, a flip my funnel, you're starting with an account and you're moving your way through. A micro funnel, from a salesperson's perspective, is how am I creating the content? How am I leveraging this stuff from marketing to create a systematic approach where people are just creating inbound into my funnels, and it's just moving them through it on its own pace? So as a salesperson, I can say, here are my target accounts. I'm going to communicate with these decision makers, but then move them through quick funnels that get them to a decision, to a demo, to a meeting, whatever it may be. Leveraging technology, the tools that marketers are already aware of if you give those tools back to the salespeople and train them on how to use social media at the right way, you're going to start seeing pipeline increasing much faster. So I'll leave you with this. Teach your salespeople to do the same things as marketers that you're already doing. How are they identifying the companies and the decision makers to be doing business with? Teach them how to connect with these decision makers. Move these conversations from online to offline. Because again, building a lot of friends on Facebook and a lot of friends on, you know, followers on Twitter is nice. It's a great vanity metric, but at the end of the day, it's not actually bringing any business in. So you have to teach them how to engage on social networks. Part of your role as a marketer is to also educate the sales team as much as they're not going to like it because they think they know everything. Because from the sales role, I, I understand this. But your marketers will actually be open to learning more. Most of your salespeople are using LinkedIn. They just don't know how to use it effectively. And as marketers, you know how this, the, the platforms work. You should be teaching them how to use them to be successful. So I'm going to open it up for questions. I think we have a couple minutes. Sonny's got a mic. Yes. So a social buyer is really any buyer who is leveraging social media in the buying process. And we know that most buyers are doing this to some extent anyway, right? They're going into LinkedIn groups. They're using Twitter. They're saying, here's my pain point. Hey, friends and followers, what do you use to solve this within your organization? Those are social buyers. They're the people who are leveraging the networks in a way to become educated on the best products and services to fill their, to, to address their pain point. So I feel like for me, I do a lot of research and I try to figure things out with people on social networks. What, like what's your role? Twitter, uh, sales at Terminus. Okay. So I'll take it offline to an email and use what I learned through those platforms to reach out in a personalized way, but I don't feel like I'm very good at creating content on those platforms themselves. I just will retweet and like things. So how, how, how much am I missing out, I guess, by not doing things like that, creating content? You are missing out. But it, I think it's also remiss to say that salespeople should be creating content because I think that makes marketers cringe in some ways. And if you do cringe and if you laughed at that, what are you doing to feed him the content that he needs to share? Because there's a gap, and that giggle just proved it. You do not want your salespeople writing the blog post. Maybe, I mean, in some cases you do because it's actually good content. But you don't want them out there creating all this content on their own. So what are you doing to enable and empower them to share the best stuff with their network? They can curate it. They can find it on their own. They can retweet it. They can reshare it. But as a company, what are you doing to help him become successful outside of generating the lead? If he's got a network, and this is the key difference between sales and marketing when it comes to a, a network like LinkedIn. Marketers are using LinkedIn as a platform. They're advertising on it. Salespeople are building the connections with these buyers. 
So if you've got 500, 1,000, 2,000 connections on LinkedIn, whatever that number is, there's a really good chance that you are connected to the decision makers that you're trying to get money from. The marketers, not so much. Marketers are typically connecting with other marketers. So there's communication, there's knowledge sharing, but salespeople are connecting with the actual buyers. So what are you feeding to the salesperson that when he shares it, his buyers are seeing it? So again, I think if you're curating it, you're already ahead of the game because a lot of salespeople, as I've noticed, don't even do that. They're not sharing anything. But as marketers, we have to take the ownership. We have to step up and actually produce the stuff that's going to become important for him. And you're already doing it. But how are you filtering that into the sales org so they can share it in an effective manner? Question in the back. Coca, Nick McKay. Welcome back to Atlanta. Thank you. Uh, Company name will be uh, anonymous at this point because coming into a scenario where we're building social selling after a scorched earth policy of cold calls and more cold calls and then outsource cold calls have poisoned a well of specific target accounts that really isn't that large. So instead of putting on your Kreskin hat and giving me a time frame for when we can expect recovery, can you give me some touch points or milestones that will let us know we're on the right track to rebuilding trust with the market we intend to engage? Yes. The painful answer is, depending on how scorched of an earth and how bad of a reputation you've done because you've had these bad tactics, you may be unrecoverable, right? This is the pain that salespeople face. And this is why your professional brand is the forefront of what the definition of social selling is. If you're going to be leveraging social media, you better not be some joker. You better not be some guy who is basically connecting with people and then trying to pitch them and hard sell them right out the gate because you're not just hurting your own professional brand. So I'd say the milestones are, are your salespeople connecting with the right decision maker? Are they engaging and having conversations? It's going to take time if you need to find a way to actually change that in the eyes of the buyer. To do that is to start, and the only way that trust is established is by consistency over time. Train your salespeople to do the right thing. Over time, you'll see that trust developing within your network, and it'll be the dark days of your company that you'll talk about and laugh at because you'll be moved into a new era. All right? Hey, Coca. So uh, by taking the ABM approach, I agree with you that, you know, as far as going more quality over quantity, you're going to get greater conversions. The people that you actually bring into your company are going to be a better fit. I mean, you're going to get less churn. However, this requires a lot of time. All this personalization, engagement, um, organic stuff requires a lot more time. So as far as your scale model or your revenue growth model, does that have to be tweaked and adjusted to as well because you won't scale as fast? And two, all this, you know, heavy lifting and all this heavy lifting that you do upfront to identify your, your ideal prospect, customer, client, patient, whoever it is, is going to require more capital because you're doing more heavy lifting up front. And if that's the case, how do you hedge that? I mean, if you're going to have a margin squeeze, how do you hedge that if your margins are going to get tighter because you're going to have to expend more capital, you know, up front? So how do you hedge against that? So I'm going to answer this from the sales point of view first. Salespeople have no budgets. We don't need capital. How hard is it to teach a salesperson how to use a search engine, right? If you're going to be doing targeting for ads and things like that, you are going to need some capital. You're going to need money to do that. But as a salesperson, if you put the salesperson with the mindset of a marketer and you say, go hunt, here are the tools, here's how you use them, a salesperson is going to figure it out. They're going to, the same way that I did, they're going to learn how to use Twitter as a search engine. They're going to find ways to build their connections on LinkedIn. This is all free. There are ways to build your business without spending a ton of money. And then as that money comes in, then you kind of throw gas on the fire with sponsored updates and these other things. The 
the biggest time suck, the biggest resource is putting the time up front and actually identifying who these companies are that are your ideal customer profile. And you should have a general idea. If you don't have the data that already says, here are the three things we look for in a buyer, you may have 10 pieces and you need to figure that out. You go after those 10 and then you figure out which ones are actually converting at a higher rate. And again, that doesn't take a lot of money. It just takes time. But that time becomes extremely well spent up front because the reward on the back end is much larger than you just kind of scorching the earth and trying to see what comes out of that. Did that answer that question? You're welcome. All right. All right. Let's give a round of applause Thank for you. Coca. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.